Israel, with only 8,000 square miles and a population of 5 million citizens, contains less than one-tenth of 1% of Earth's population. Despite its insignificant size, a multitude of debates, conferences, and resolutions focus on this small country every year. The leaders of the nation recognize that if Armageddon comes, it will undoubtedly start here in Israel. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study on prophecies of the Bible as we get into Zechariah. We're going to get into that right after this. Hey everyone, welcome again to another episode of Connecting the Gap. I'm Daniel Moore, your host, and I thank you so much for being here. We're into the month of March in 2022, as this year is moving right along. And we are almost to the New Testament. We're going to be doing Zechariah today. We may possibly get through all of it. We'll see what we can do here. If we can get through Zechariah, then we're going to be completed with the Old Testament in our study on prophecies of the Bible. This is a study that's done by Damon Duck, and we're going to be going into the New Testament next week, possibly here, if we can get finished up. So we'll see how that goes. Go to my website, connectingthegap.net, and there you'll find all of my podcast channels that you can subscribe to, also my YouTube channel link is there and Rumble. And I have a blog as well. I don't blog every week at this point. I, I did last year, um, but this year I'm, I'm not going to do it each week. I'll just randomly, randomly be putting new blogs in there. But if you subscribe to that blog, then as soon as I do a new one, you'll get a notification for that. And you can go read that blog. Uh, that's the only thing you'll get to that email through a, a subscription. You won't be getting anything else. Uh, so please feel free and safe to do that. And you can also subscribe to any of my podcasts as well. And, and you can also listen to my podcast on my website, connectingthegap.net. So thank you once again for partnering with me just by listening and learning with me as we go through these studies that I do here on, on my channel. And uh, I hope that you're tremendously blessed by what God has gave me to share with you. So we're going to go ahead and get started into this week so we can try to get through this. And as I said, we're going to be in Zechariah this week as we try to finish up the Minor Prophets and the Old Testament uh, this week and maybe get into the New Testament next week. As we start out here in Zechariah, we're going to talk about a national hot potato. In Zechariah chapter 12, verses 1 through 14, it says in this passage, God reminds the people that he created the heavens and earth and the spirit of man and that he intends to use Jerusalem to make the nation stagger and fall. Judah and Jerusalem will come under siege by all nations, but God will strengthen the Jews and cause their enemies to injure themselves. He will smite the attackers with fear, madness, and blindness. The Jewish leaders will know that God has strengthened them. Those who attack Israel will be playing with fire. Jerusalem will not be destroyed, but God will save the people of Judah first so that the leaders and inhabitants of Jerusalem will not gloat. God will help the Jews who lived in Jerusalem by giving them supernatural courage and strength. He will destroy all nations and attack Jerusalem, but he will pour out a spirit of grace and supplication upon the Jews, and they will recognize the one they pierced. All of Israel will weep. This passage of scripture begins with a reminder that the following prophecy comes from an all-powerful God, the creator of all things. 
Out of love, God offers the nations a warning before they make a terrible mistake. They should not doubt that he can do or will do these things. God will cause Judah, or the West Bank, Judea, and Jerusalem to occupy center stage at the end of the age. He will use that area to judge the nations and deal a staggering blow to his enemies. It will be the entire world's problem at that point. Gentile or non-Jewish nations will respond by gathering a great army to attack the West Bank and the Holy City. But God will strengthen the Jews. Attacking them will be the same as attacking God. He will strike the enemy with fear, insanity, and blindness. Afflicted with terror, confusion, ignorance, and stupidity, they will injure themselves and seal their own doom. In order to reach Jerusalem, the enemy will have a pass through Judah. That is where the first great victory will come. A victory in the outlying settlements before Jerusalem is delivered will prevent the inhabitants of Jerusalem from becoming proud. God will help the Jews by infusing the Israelite army with supernatural abilities. Jewish soldiers will be exceptionally courageous and strong. They will eventually overcome those who attack them. Then God will instill a spirit of grace or a desire to follow the Holy Spirit and supplication of prayer in the Jewish people. They will realize that they have not followed or obeyed him. They will understand that they have not understood before. Their Messiah is the one who was pierced. They will go through a time of national mourning and intense sorrow. Every person will go into seclusion to be alone with God, to grieve over their sins, and to mourn their past rejection of Jesus. Noah Hutchings says, As Zechariah prophesied, Jerusalem is a problem to all nations, a sign that Israel will soon recognize the Messiah at his coming by the nail prints in his hands. Gary Hedrick of Messianic Perspective said, From Megiddo to the world's military forces, probably UN or NATO troops, the European Union or some combination of these, will begin to make their way southward toward Jerusalem. One can easily imagine how difficult and costly the invasion will be. The attackers cannot use airstrikes or artillery on any large scale because of the damage that can be done to ancient religious sites. Jerusalem must be taken the old-fashioned way on the ground. No wonder John uses the metaphor of blood running up to the horse's bridles to describe the unspeakable carnage that will result. And that is mentioned in Revelation 14, verse 20. Since the God who created all things, including the heavens, the earth, and humans, also destroyed armies, wouldn't it be a terrible mistake to make him angry? An attack on the tiny nation of Israel would be a big gamble. Is that really the best way to find out if God truly exists? Some people believe that there is a God who created all things, but they also believe that he does not intervene in what goes on here on earth. This chapter refutes that. It reminds us that there is a creator, that he is involved in the affairs of the world, and that he is going to have the final say on matters concerning Israel. Jerusalem is already a cup of trembling and a burdensome stone for the whole world. The Jews claim all of Jerusalem as the eternal capital of the Jewish nation. The Palestinians claim East Jerusalem as the capital of its future Palestinian state. Muslims believe they will incur the wrath of Allah if they cede control of Jerusalem to the Jews. 
They wrongly believe they can drive the Jews out, seize the Temple Mount, and get away with it. But God won't allow it. The struggle for Jerusalem will unleash the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and the holy city will be in the line of fire right up until the battle of Armageddon. The beginning of this battle will be in the tribulation period, just before the second coming of Christ. After it starts, Christ will return, he will destroy Israel's enemies, and the Jews will recognize him by his wounds. In Zechariah chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, there is a fountain that's filled with blood. It says, In that day a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, and they shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land. It shall come to pass that if anyone still prophesies, then his father and mother who begot him will say to him, You shall not live, because you have spoken lies in the name of the Lord. And his father and mother who begot him shall thrust him through, when he prophesies. And it shall be in that day that every prophet will be ashamed of his vision when he prophesies. They will not wear a robe of coarse hair to deceive, but he will say, I am no prophet, I am a farmer, for a man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. These verses here pick up where chapter 12 left off. Following a brief period of national mourning and repentance, a fountain will be opened to all Jews, and God will forgive their sins, including the rejection of Jesus as their Messiah. This forgiveness will be followed by the abolition of false worship, the destruction of idols, and the elimination of false prophets. In many cases, false prophets will be killed by their own parents. Some false prophets will be ashamed of what they have done, and some will try to disguise themselves and deceive people by pretending they are farmers. Charles Feinberg made a comment, Israel now enters into the provision of God at Calvary. The provision of God will avail for both sin and uncleanness. Zechariah has in mind moral, not ceremonial uncleanness. Justification is here and sanctification as well. Judicial guilt and moral impurity will be removed at the same time. Ed Henson describes a true prophet by these three points. First, he must speak in the name of the Lord, not some other God. Secondly, he must have a message that is in accord with God's revealed truth in Scripture. And thirdly, he must give predictions of future events that come true exactly as stated. There will be a multiplication of false prophets and a surge in idolatry during the tribulation period. Multitudes will worship the image of the beast or the Antichrist and evil spirits from the mouth of Satan, the mouth of the Antichrist, and the mouth of the false prophet will gather the nations for the battle of Armageddon. The forgiveness will take place at the second coming of Christ. The abolition of false worship and the destruction of idols will begin immediately and carry over into the millennium. During the millennium, Jerusalem will become the religious center of the world. All of the Jews and multitudes of Gentiles will go on pilgrimages to worship there, but they won't worship Allah or any other false god. They will worship Jehovah and his son Jesus. Here are a few facts about the reign of Jesus as king. During the millennium, God will have mercy on Israel and build his house in Jerusalem. That's in Zechariah 1, 16-17. Jerusalem will be a great city protected by God, as stated in Zechariah 2, verses 1 through 5. Zechariah chapter 2, 10 through 13 talks about when God lives in Jerusalem, many nations will accept Christ. 
Christ will rule with wisdom and remove Israel's sin in one day, as stated in Zechariah 3, verses 8 through 9. Israel will succeed and the temple will be built by the power of the Holy Spirit in Zechariah 4, 1 through 14. Christ will build the temple and sit upon the throne in Israel in Zechariah 6, 11 and 12. God will live in Jerusalem, bless it, and cause the Jews to return in Zechariah 8, 1 through 8. Many Gentiles will visit Jerusalem and join the Jews in worshiping God in Zechariah chapter 8, verses 20 to 23. Israel borders will be expanded to encompass all the returning Jews. That's in Zechariah 10, verses 8 through 11. Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7 through 9 says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. And it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call in my name, and I will answer them. I will say, This is my people. And each one will say, The Lord is my God. This speaks of a purifying holocaust. Zechariah looks into Israel's future and saw the striking or the crucifixion of God's shepherd. The death of the shepherd, or Jesus, would be followed by a scattering of Israel. A long period of time would pass, and Israel would return to the land. This much has happened in history, but the rest is yet future. A great calamity, or the tribulation period, will come upon the land, says Zechariah, and the two-thirds of Israel's people will be killed. The other third will be purified. The result of this national calamity will be that the purified will call or pray upon the name of the Lord our God, and they will be heard by him. He will accept them, and they will accept Jesus as their Messiah. Jimmy DeYoung is quoted saying, This will mark the beginning of the most horrible time for God's chosen people in Jewish history. Satan and Antichrist will unleash unprecedented persecution on Israel. This period, known as the Great Tribulation, will see two of every three Jews killed. That's Zechariah 13, verse 8. Jesus warned Israel to flee to the wilderness for protection during this time. Notice that the returning Jews need to be purified. This is because they are making the same mistake as those who struck the shepherd. They are returning in unbelief. Out of his mercy, God will send great tribulation to change this. The shepherd was struck in AD 30 when Jesus was crucified. Israel was scattered in AD 70 when the Romans destroyed the nation. The return is now underway. Two-thirds of Israel's Jews will die during the tribulation period. The remainder will accept Jesus at his second coming. This is two-thirds of those who live in the land, not two-thirds of those who live in Jerusalem. Most of those who survive will do so only because they will be among those who flee into the wilderness when the Antichrist defiles the temple at the tribulation period midpoint. Death will stalk the Jews all through the tribulation period, but the greatest number of deaths will occur late in the tribulation period when the nations decide to attack Jerusalem. One thing to remember during this time is to never bite off more than you can chew. In Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 through 21, the day of the Lord is approaching. When it arrives, the nations will unite, gather an army, attack Jerusalem, capture the city, plunder the houses, rape the women, and cause half the Jews to flee into exile. Those who escape will not be prevented from re-entering the city. 
Then the Lord will enter the battle on Israel's side. He will return to the Mount of Olives. A great earthquake will cause it to split in half. A valley will be created, and many Jews will escape through it. The Lord will have his saints with him. The heavenly bodies will be darkened. Jesus will reign as king over all the earth. The land of Palestine will be leveled out. Jerusalem will be elevated, inhabited, and made secure. Jesus will use a terrible plague to defeat those who attack Jerusalem. He will cause his enemies to fight among themselves, and Jews in the surrounding area will also fight against them. The attackers will be defeated, their valuables will be collected and taken to Jerusalem, their animals will die, and the whole world will turn to Christ. Those who disobey him will be punished, and the Jews will dedicate everything they have to the Lord. Here Zechariah presents more information about the tribulation period and the battle of Armageddon. A world army will capture the city, but it will not be destroyed, and half the Israelite citizens will flee to safety in the city. A world army will capture the city, but it will not be destroyed, and half the Israelite citizens in the city will flee to safety. Enemy soldiers will enter the city, seize valuables, and rape the women, but they will not prevent Jews who escape from returning to the city. These events will trigger the second coming of Jesus. He will return to fight on Israel's side, and he will make his first appearance at the Mount of Olives. That's a mile-long ridge on the east side of Jerusalem. He will temporarily stand on the mountain. There will be a tremendous earthquake, and the mountain will split from east to west. Half of the mountain will shift towards the north and half towards the south, leaving a great valley in between for the Jews to escape through. This valley will extend to Azel. That's a village lying just east of the Mount of Olives. Jesus will bring the armies of heaven with him, and the very creation will be affected. There will be no light, but its absence will normally cause a temperature drop, will not cause the weather to turn cold or frost to appear. At night, when it should be dark, the light will return. Living water, fresh, pure running water, will begin to flow from Jerusalem in two directions, half toward the eastern sea, which is the Dead Sea, and half towards the western sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea, and it will flow year-round. The attitude toward Jesus will change. He will be king over all the earth. He will have worldwide recognition, and he alone will be called God. The topography in that area will also change. All the land from Geba modern Jaba, a town about six miles north of Jerusalem, to the Ramon South, which is a town about 35 miles southwest of Jerusalem, as opposed to the city by the same name in the north, will become a plain. But Jerusalem itself will be elevated. The Jews will return to the city and finally have peace and safety. Concerning the defeat of Israel's enemies, Jesus will smite them with a plague. Their flesh, eyes, and tongues will immediately rot away. They will panic and fight each other, and a similar plague will strike their animals. Because they plundered Jerusalem, their wealth will be collected and taken there. Survivors living in the nations that attack Jerusalem will visit the holy city to worship Jesus and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, or a feast of praise, rest, and thanksgiving. If a nation withholds its worship, God will withhold its reign. Their spiritual drought will be answered with a physical drought. Everything in Jerusalem will be dedicated to the Lord, and only those who are true believers will be allowed to serve at the temple. Thomas Ice and Timothy Demi says, Armageddon prophecy is not literary allegory or myth. Armageddon will be a real event of tragic proportions for those who oppose God.
John Hagee is quoted, The first time he came, he was nailed to a bitterly rugged cross where he suffered and bled and died alone. The next time he comes, he will put his foot on the Mount of Olives, and it shall split in half. He will walk across the Kidron Valley and through the Eastern Gate and set his throne up on the Temple Mount. And from there he will reign for 1,000 years in the Millennium. Now for the real battle of Armageddon to take place, a few things have to happen. First of all, Israel must be a nation. Jerusalem must be a city. Jerusalem must be controlled by the Jews. The nations must decide to forcefully take Jerusalem away from the Jews. Jesus must return to defeat the nations. God's promise to Israel and the world have to be fulfilled. The tribulation period and Armageddon don't have to happen, but they will happen because the nations of the world refuse to go by what the Bible says. In essence, the world will bring these tragedies on itself because of its ignorance, rebellion, and unbelief. The war against Israel and Jerusalem is a spiritual war. It started in the Garden of Eden when Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and God told that old serpent Eve's seed would bruise his head. That was in Genesis 3.15. During Old Testament times, Satan did everything he could to corrupt and destroy the Jewish people in an effort to prevent the first coming of Jesus. He even tried to destroy Jesus, get him to sin, get him to come down off the cross, and more. He wanted to prevent the Messiah from dying on that cross. Israel and Jerusalem are in Satan's crosshairs today because he is trying to prevent the second coming of Jesus. Lucifer doesn't want to be cast out of heaven, be bound and changed for a thousand years, be cast into a bottomless pit, or be cast into the lake of fire. He doesn't want Jesus to return to Jerusalem or rule on earth for a thousand years. The underlying cause of the world's anti-Semitism is satanic because the evil one wants to replace God and be worshipped. However, Israel and Jerusalem will survive. This prophecy does not refer to the attack on Jerusalem by the Romans in AD 70. They literally wiped the city off the face of the earth and killed or carried off all the Jews. In this case, the city will not be destroyed. Not all the Jews will be killed, and some will be allowed to re-enter the city. The vast majority of prophetic scholars agree that this is a prophecy about the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Christ, and it will be fulfilled late in the tribulation period. Well, after a little bit of an extended episode here on Connecting the Gap, that wraps up Zechariah and wraps up the Old Testament as we continue our study on prophecies of the Bible. Next week, we're going to kick off the New Testament, and we're going to be getting started into that and get started in Matthew and continue on as we work our way toward Revelation in this study by Damon Duck that's based on his study, Prophecies of the Bible. Thank you guys once again for joining me this week, and uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Go to my website, connectingthegap.net. Please share my podcast and the links to my website and uh, my different places that you can check out my material to people that you think might benefit from this. Uh, For people that don't understand God's Word or understand what it means to be a Christian, that's what this uh, podcast is all about as we do Bible study each week, is to draw us all closer to Christ and understand more thoroughly what the Bible is all about. So thank you again for joining me this week. I'll be back again next week. Until then, God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, He has connected the gap.